0: Welcome to the CSIS podcast. I'm Colin Quinn. Now, as you probably know, CSIS is bipartisan, so we don't take sides when it comes to elections. What we do look at, though, are the trends and upheavals taking place outside the United States and try and find ways that America could do better and use its still considerable power as a force for good. Now, while this election has been taking place, The world hasn't stopped. And so what we'll be doing in the next few episodes is looking around the world, region to region, and finding out what awaits the next president, whoever they may be. It's less a look at the what-ifs and more about the what-is. We'll also hear from our experts on how the world has seen this particular election cycle and how it's affected America's standing in the world. We're going to start with Africa, who, as our program director Jennifer Cook explains, isn't always at the top of the priority list.
1: Yeah, I I think as a first principle, obviously, Africa is not going to be the number one tier priority for the new administration. Um, But I would say that any administration has to stay engaged in Africa. Um, It has to remain relevant and influential in Africa. Um, There are a lot of U.S. interests at stake, both challenges and security direct interests, um, but also kind of U.S. standing in, in in. in the world in terms of alliances and global norms and issues that it must deal with. And then the US kind of values agenda and humanitarian response and so forth. So remaining engaged and not kind of relegating this to, okay, I'll deal with Africa later, but remaining, uh, keeping Africa in the mainstream of foreign policy is important.
0: What have you felt has been the feeling from African countries of the Obama administration, how they've engaged with Africa?
1: Well, I think the Obama administration, as it came in, was facing a lot of global crises, was facing a massive uh, global recession and f- fiscal difficulties here at home and and partisan divisiveness. And uh, very likely the next administration is going to face similar, who, whoever wins that. Um, and I think in that first Term Those first four years, many Africans were kind of perplexed about where where is the United States? What is its Africa policy? And that at a time that many other players, China, but also Brazil, India, many other players were, were stepping up their engagement in Africa.
0: So has the U.S. kind of lost ground a little bit, had some ground to make up?
1: the Obama administration's second term really did pick up. Um, And, you know, I think it it lost ground a little bit on some issues in terms of commercial engagement and kind of being at the forefront of that economic growth, trade and investment uh, agenda. You know, it's never entirely walked away and it's remained very engaged in terms of security, in terms of food security, health, uh, you know the Ebola crisis. so there it's I don't think that we're in danger of the. US completely dropping Africa from the agenda, but it is important uh, to have a president who who speaks to Africa is and, and again doesn't kind of relegate it to a, a, a secondary issue.
0: Is there anything you'd like to see sustained?
1: Well, there's a lot of great initiative that, that have been implemented in, under the Bush administration and the Obama administration, the Millennium Challenge Corporation, PEPFAR, and the broader commitment to global health. I think Feed the Future is picking up momentum. The whole Power Africa to electrify Africa hugely important. Um, One thing I'd like to see sustained is kind of the bipartisan support that all those initiatives have enjoyed. And that is something really that I hope the next administration will cultivate at a time when we really need areas of kind of common bipartisan consensus. Um, You know, I think our security engagement probably needs a bit more nuance. Uh, our engagement on governance and democracy issues, I think we'll need to, to shift. Uh, that's an area that there have been a lot of rollbacks on the continent recently. Um, in terms of big new initiatives, I think we'll want to sustain uh, some of those existing ones. I'd like to see a much bigger focus on education and really from, from early childhood education up through university level, including vocational level. And if the next administration is able to launch a major new global initiative or a, a development initiative on Africa, I'd, I would hope it would include education.
0: If we asked if anything to be sustained. Is there anything that you've seen that uh, could be could be improved upon? You did say in the security relationship, there would need a little more nuance. What, what does that mean?
1: Well, in the security relationship, look, they, we, you know, the next administration counterterrorism is going to be a priority in Africa. I think y- y- we will still need to build mi- military capacities of governments uh, affected by this, and I think we'll want to do that in a way that emphasizes civilian protection and professionalism. This isn't just a, a matter of training soldiers to to shoot and and, and so forth. Uh, really, kind of the institutional underpinnings of a good security response. But more than that, we have to start thinking about, okay, what comes next? And these militaries have been, to some extent, successful in clearing uh, terror groups off of of territory. But now what fills that vacuum? And I don't think there has been a whole lot of thinking by African governments or really by the United States of, okay, what then? How do you build local governments? How do you build some kind of community policing capacity? You know, w- what are going to be the priorities in terms of generating economic activity in these places that have been devastated by insecurity? So that's going to be a big challenge. It's it's much easier to clear territory than to fill a kind of a political vacuum.
0: The news about these, I think it's five African countries that are trying to pull out of the International Criminal Court. Yeah. Um, I mean that's happening right now. What does that say about kind of the the slide in, in governance and, and democratic values in in Africa right now? Is that a trend? Is it something that just everyone's kind of hopping on the same boat?
1: Well, yeah, I think there is uh, kind of a trend of rejecting some of the norms that many African governments kind of pledged when they joined the African Union in terms of building democracy, in terms of taking responsibility and ending a culture of impunity. Um, and you know, you've seen rollbacks in democracy. this withdrawal from the ICC uh, is is another aspect of this. In some ways, it's understandable since all cases of the ICC have been, you know, directed against Africans, and I think there's a kind of a, people's hackles are up about that. But it does say, and this goes to the point about how does the u s. stay relevant and influential? Um, you know, how do we encourage You know, democratic norms at a time when they're under stress? How do we encourage strengthening national judicial systems? You know, the ICC is meant to be a last resort if your own judicial system can't handle it. Can we refocus the ICC to to focus more on building judicial capacity within national governments rather than simply emphasizing this kind of prosecutorial role that it has? Um, So I think the the governance issue and democracy issue are going to be tough ones. And look, the first place we can start is with modeling good behavior. And, you know, this has been a rough election year in terms of the civil discourse that is needed for a democracy, in terms of the negotiation and compromise that is needed in democracy, in terms of rhetoric that kind of uh, excludes certain groups Uh, certain ethnicities, certain religions, and and kind of uh, democracy and factionalism, you know, by by pitting people against another. And then, of course, the, you know, institutions that are nonpartisan and national in nature. You know, this has been a very revealing election about how fragile democracy is. And I think, you know, that's something that we as the United States and the United States government, certainly when it goes about building and trying to promote democracy elsewhere, needs to keep that in mind. And uh, I think the first step is to model um, good behavior in terms of civil discourse.
0: We're bipartisan. We do not take sides in the president's election, but you travel in the region and you've, you've, you speak to many different people from um, different African countries. Um, how have they been viewing this election?
1: Yeah, I think people are uh, a bit shocked and perplexed at you know what is happening. You know, for all the jibes that are kind of directed at the United States as this big Western power, I think there is a lot of respect for U.S. democratic institutions. You know, the fact in 2000, the contentious election that it was gotten through, there was no violence. It, you know, people abided by the institutions. That was a rough moment, um, but. You know, I think that the fact that the United States got through that, working through national institutions was important. I think this one, uh, for many uh, African friends and colleagues that I've talked to they are looking at this election and saying, wow, this is, you know, these are things that happen in, in some of our countries in terms of the divisiveness, in terms of the allegations of corruption and rigging and, you know, kind of l- law enforcement, you know, intervening in certain ways. And I think, um, yeah, people are shocked. I, I think uh, many people that I've talked to kind of Saw Trump as a character, or this kind of larger-than-life character, but probably not not somebody who would eventually uh, come to be the Republican nominee. I think people are much more familiar with Hillary Clinton. She's spent a lot of time in Africa, and you know ha- has been important on a number of big development issues. Um, so I think people are scratching their heads, and uh, you know I hope that it's something of a wake-up call for the United States and for African partners to say you know democracy is not just an, it's not an end state it's a continual process of renewal and, and, and uh, uh, consolidation.
0: Uh, I was in Ghana in 2000, summer of 2008 and everyone on the street, is selling, you know, Barack Obama t-shirts. And this is like, it's like early summer. Do people really have, we talked a little bit about it, but what's, is there an opinion on Hillary Clinton? Is she kind of a known quantity, unknown quantity?
1: She's a known quantity. And, you know, Bill Clinton was extremely popular in Africa. You know, I think many perspectives kind of mirror some of the perspectives on, on Clinton that we hear here. You know, she's, she's, being in this for so long, and you know, Barack Obama was exceptional in some ways. Be, first, because he was an African American, uh, he was somewhat new to the scene, um, you know. But I, I, there's no antipathy to to Hillary Clinton, as you know that I that I can really discern. Um, you know, Trump is also a known quantity. I was at an Africa Studies Association meeting in Indiana a few years ago, was hanging out with some uh, South Sudanese <laughs> scholars. And there was Trump in the, and they were all just completely flocked to Trump. Everybody recognized him. Everybody knows knows who, who he is. And this was well before his presidential bid. He
0: was at the hotel or something. He was at the hotel. <laughs> oh, well, maybe it was his hotel.
1: <laughs> maybe. Yeah. <laughs> okay, maybe. People know him, and yeah. uh, you know, people follow the United States. We don't, you know, we don't. Americans don't necessarily follow what's happening in South Africa or Kenya or even Nigeria. Africans follow what's happening in the U.S. political system, and. Have, have strong opinions right. about what's happening here.
0: Let's wrap it all back to policy. Okay. Um, you did mention that you would like to see more focus on education this time around as part of one of these big projects with Africa. What what would you recommend there? How how should uh, the new administration go about that?
1: Well, I think, you know, there's first is making the case to Congress about how how critically important education is to all of our other interests, whether they be commercial and economic, whether they be security interests. You know, when looking at violent extremism and, and in, in some of the places in the Sahel and Nigeria, every single person I talk to says, you know, what we need is, is much stronger education that gives everybody an opportunity and kind of is the first step to kind of equal opportunity that builds some kind of sense of, of social and national, you know, cohesion and identity. And that prepares young people for an eventual job or some kind of economic activity. Um, so it, it touches on health, it touches on the economics, It, it, it it's it, it's so fundamental. And it's a place where the United States does work in education, but it's a little bit piecemeal, and it hasn't really gotten the Uh, kind of strategic uh, framing, I think, that might be required. And I think there's a good case to be made um, to step up that particular aspect of our our development. And and again, getting the right mix of kind of early education, vocational education, you know, new technologies that can help, you know, uh, deliver education and quality education. Those are all important elements of that.
0: Ending on a positive note. We cannot always say that about CSS (laughs) podcasts. That's great. Jennifer Cook, thank you for joining me. Thanks so much. And that was Jennifer Cook giving us a taste of what's to come. Next up is the Americas, so listen on for more on what lies in store for the next president. I'm Colin Quinn. Thanks for listening.